We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show and a brand new week. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. He's Vince. I'm Sean. Yes, I, I mean TD4ND. We had to finish our hot dogs before we could get this thing going. Had to get a little energy in us here tonight. I mean, if you want an 80-yard run, that's how we operate. All right. That's right. That's right. Um, couple things right off the bat before we get into some Notre Dame football. And I see Michael Hahn is in here, and it's funny because Jesse and I were texting about Michael earlier today. Noted New York Giants fan. (laughs) He was wondering, we were both wondering if Michael would be in the chat. He got in early. Um, Let's just say, I'll put this up first. Okay, Sean, why is, oh, oh, hold it, not that one. I'll get to that here in just a second. Tommy says, can y'all at least backload the Dallas content to the end of the show? And I swear, since it's Vince tonight, I was not planning on getting deep into any Cowboys content. I was planning on, uh, you know, Jesse and I at the end of Rapid Fire tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes. So I will keep it at that. And, you know, quite honestly, if Michael and Tommy hadn't brought up the Cowboys stuff, I honestly would not have brought up Cowboys stuff even this early. Even as giddy and as happy as I was, I would not brought up, would have not brought up the Cowboys stuff this early so the only nfl that i was planning on talking about is my hatred of the quarterback who's playing for new york tonight ah yes that's right aaron Rodgers tonight and that's who dallas plays next week as well they play the jets next week so we can can all be together tonight now before we get deeper into notre dame stuff and i'm trying to adjust my volume here a little bit for some reason it's it's dropped a little bit tommy wants to know why the friday show is not done live scheduling conflict (laughs) is there an actual reason or just that you guys don't want to do it live number one there's a boss of this organization and what the boss says goes no there there are conversations about some different things but sure the boss says the way we're doing things right now is the way the boss wants things done Am I wrong on that? You are not wrong on that. And we did a pregame show live last year. And we're doing a pregame show again this year. We're just not doing it live on Saturday. Right. We never we didn't have a Friday show, did we, in the past? 
like well we like did during we did rapid season. fire during, during oh, the season last the year season we did we not did. have we right. did not start doing anything live until we did rapid fire and the reason right. we started doing that rapid fire show on fridays is because the football season was over and we weren't doing the saturday countdown to kickoff anymore and i said hey brian what do you think about we just do a rapid fire thing on fridays like yeah sure so yeah. here's here's the deal a couple of different things one we did a live Saturday morning countdown to kickoff last year. And right. ultimately what Brian decided was because like early morning, the whole thing on Saturdays between the viewership that we got live and the fact that it was on game day and obviously we're covering the game on game day and all these different things, it wasn't worth necessarily doing a live show Saturday mornings. Right. So he said, let's just record it in advance. That way the podcast drops. We'll still post the video. People can watch it. And now, again, like, especially Vince, now he's got a lot of things, you know, with being at a, an administrator at a high school, things going on on Fridays. And so it's just like the way we're doing it right now, like the YouTube is actually getting probably twice as many views as we were getting when we were doing it live Saturday morning last year right. because we're putting it up earlier right. We're just not doing it live and we're not doing it live again because Brian doesn't want it live because he's got his show going on. If if we did our show live, we would have to do it so early that there would always be overlap with Brian and there would just always right. be issues with that major issue. We were we were getting issues when we were doing a live show at five o'clock. So there's no way right. we can do it. So. Right. So we appreciate everybody watching. Speaking of which, you know, I usually Vince. I usually avoid like going to the YouTube comments. I don't know how much you read the YouTube comments on I have any not of the read shows. Any of them, pretty much. Yeah. So I I typically avoid it just because I mean you That's know how fair. it is. It's That's like fair. I just I, I don't want to deal with any of the the BS and the negativity. But <laughs> I did get some chuckles this weekend because we had some NC State fans watch. Oh, did we now? show did i not send you those comments i don't think so no i don't remember yeah. seeing them so first of all if you happen to be an nc state fan still lingering around well you're, god bless you here you are <laughs> you right. know, for one. you're welcome to hang out i mean after the fact that's right you're always welcome here but thanks for watching that you know thanks to everyone for watching but especially them because you know based on their comments they spent some time watching the show and they weren't very happy with some of the stuff that we said that I, you know, and like, if you're an NC state fan again, like God bless you because you're an NC state football fan. And right. no matter what, <laughs> I congratulate you for your loyalty because you're always going to be the fan of basically a mid ACC team. And the best you're hoping for is a chance to just get in a conference championship game. And, and I'm not saying that is like, a, you know, I'm not like throwing big shade at you. Like it's just a fact. That's just a fact, right? Yeah. But these guys got all tweaked off because, you know, they said when we started talking about the presumed home field advantage, and like this was becoming a big uh, thing, all this. Oh, yeah. Remember the home field advantage, Carter Finley Stadium, and, you know, all this different stuff. And we were basically discounting the home field advantage of North Carolina State, even though they had right. won 18 of their last 20 home games and all this different stuff and they had won what was it like 23 straight non-conference home games great 
Well, that turned into, well, you guys are really being cocky about this, you know, like, and then, then it, then it was like, well, you lost to Marshall and Stanford at home last year. So what kind of home field advantage do you have? You know, like this, this I mean, big false equivalency, like just because Notre Dame lost a couple games at home, that doesn't make your home field advantage any more a home field right. advantage, right? Those two things are completely, they don't have anything to do with each other. Like that exactly. wasn't, that wouldn't even have been my argument. I would never compare one team's home field advantage to Notre Dame's because to be honest with you, most of the time, it's not a big advantage for Notre Dame to be at home outside of the fact that they're just not traveling and things right. like that. I think the night games are a little bit different than the day games and things of that nature. But I, I wouldn't have compared the two. I think the only point you and I were making is, is it really that raucous of an environment to go into at NC State? Like, is that really the difference maker? I mean, I don't right. think it well, Would like Andrew been. says, Brian was complimentary of North Carolina State all week. And again, like this was, it was posted on the IB countdown to kickoff. And it was stuff that we were specifically talking about because I said, you know, look, you've won 18 of your last 20 at home, or they've won 18 of their last 20 at home. But guess what? One of those two losses was last year to an awful Boston College team that Notre Dame obliterated at home right at the end of the season and so like you're hanging your hat on this big win streak you know look great you beat you've beaten like Furman and and you know all these schools that you know Charleston Southern and schools like that they of those 18 wins that they had at home three were against ranked teams one of them was over a ranked Liberty team during the COVID season like when is when has Liberty been ranked since then you know like and again, we we're talking about the home field advantage. It's just another ACC home stadium. That's all it is. And, right. you know, again, it's like people were treating it like, like Notre Dame was going to Tuscaloosa or to, you know, to, to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, like places where there's actually, you know, home field advantage. Like advantages, a legit home field advantage. Yeah. yeah. I, I that mean, was my point. You know, we did talk about it, and I think it was like a scale of one to ten situation. It's like, how you know, what what is your worry about the home field advantage? It's like a two, like a one. Like there's, it's not even remotely an issue. Like if I was going to rank the potential pitfalls for Notre Dame in this game, the home field advantage wasn't one of them. I'm sorry. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to this weekend's big matchup between Notre Dame and NC State, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Tim says they were rocking at the beginning of the game. Yes, just like Virginia Tech when they play right. Inter Sandman, which I think I brought up. It's like yep. big deal. Like, because to me, one series into the game, and even after Notre Dame went three and out, they might as well have been playing in a tobacco field somewhere it, it, because it did not come across to me no. as any raucous environment. You know, you can be wound up all you want before the game starts, but what happens afterwards? It, it right. never seemed like any kind of – the team was good, and I wasn't discounting what Notre Dame was going to get from sure. NC State as a team. It was the environment specifically we were talking about, and I think that the way it played out, it – the whole the whole thing backed up our whole argument. It was not a home well, field advantage, and it was not a fan, decided home field advantage. If, if the fans are such passionate and they're so good at you know the home at home and all that, where did they go after the weather delay? <laughs> right, because they all went home is the answer, and you know they slowly filtered back in. But by the time the stadium became 90 percent full again, game was over, guys. I mean, I hate to break it to you, the game was over. And so if you want to blame that on your fans, then so be it. But why wouldn't it be a raucous home situation when Notre Dame's coming into town and your defense is flying all over the place and, you know, making Sam Hartman look human for half a quarter. Okay, cool. But they got to keep that up for the entire game. And they didn't do that. And Notre Dame won by four touchdowns. I'm sorry. That last touchdown was garbage. And frankly, they gave them another touchdown by way of penalties. So, yeah, NC State's a good team. They're a good defense. They are. Their offense is putrid right now. Their defense is going to have to win them games. Notre Dame took advantage of it. Sorry. I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry we hurt their feelings. I know the society <laughs> that we're in these days, people get their feelings hurt. I'm sorry. Well, Vince, I did notice they didn't come back after the game because you know mm. if somehow NC State had won that game, they would have been coming back and there would have been a lot more chirping 
going on. They did not come back, and that's no. You know, I think no, we rested didn't. our case. Really, yeah. I, I mean, all you got to, I mean, it's like when we were in high school and you're beating the crap out of a team and they're still chirping. You just point at the scoreboard. Scoreboard. That's, scoreboard. That's exactly. It. You know, and again, like the whole like saying that we were being cocky, like like to me, that kind of insinuates that like I was being some sort of Homer in this whole thing. And I think if anything, there would be people who would say that I'm not Homer enough, you know, a lot of times. So I mean, I don't know. I I I pretty sure I'm gonna have to double check, but I'm pretty sure the actual ending of you know, like the actual what happened in real life was a lot more of a butt whooping than I predicted. If I remember yeah. correctly, um, I think more than all of us, because we all said 17 points, which was weird. Uh, we all said 17 <laughs> points. I said 35, 17, it was 45 to 24. So right. the margin was even bigger than I said it was going to be. Then we predicted it was going to be. So yeah. like, how are we being cocky? Notre Dame went out and I guess was cocky because they blew us out of the water and what we predicted. Yeah. R- ridiculous. I just thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. And hilarious. Yes. I was going <laughs> to add that. Add your adjective. That's right. Yep. Yep. Well, I think the key word coming out of Saturday is resiliency. Marcus Freeman brought it up post game. I asked him about his team's resiliency at his press conference today. And here's what he had to say. I think you, you always try to put your players in difficult situations to see how they respond, right? And, and it can be a situation that they know is coming or they don't know is coming. And, you know, something when Bayless was here, we worked, you know, in depth about it. But don't tell how much to run. I don't want them to know. I just want to make sure they just continue to get back to the line and, and, and leadership emerges and they just go and they do whatever we ask them to do. And so... That to me is a reflection of that is that, you know, no matter what the score is, no matter it's a seven point game and North Carolina State has the ball in our territory, um, the ability to just focus in on that rep and not look at the finish line. It's the same thing in a summer conditioning period, right? If you tell them, hey, we got 10, 10 half filled gassers, okay, all right, I gotta, I'm gonna coast and try to get to 10. What would you say? You're on the line. We'll stop when we're done. I think it gives them the ability to just stay locked in in the moment and truly not look at the finish line because when things get really, really tough and you're just looking at the finish line, man, it's that's where you see guys, you know, tap out. Guys that say, man, this is it's too difficult. But if you just stay in the moment, um, I think that's where you'll see a resilient bunch of guys. And I think, Vince, it's, it's really what, it, as the visiting team, there are inherent disadvantages that go with what, what happened on Saturday road locker room and sure. and the whole thing and and the weather and everything else like the the home team you know they've got a heck of a lot better locker i mean just oh, look yeah. at notre dame stadium you know notre dame's got a better locker room than the visitors do and just everything else that comes with it going through all they went through and being able to bounce back things weren't going up to par offensively early on and they're able to come out of there with a win. And I just think that when you look at last year's team and the fact that they did lose games to Marshall and, you know, to, to Stanford, the way that they lost them at home, all those different things. And like you hear Marcus Freeman kind of talking about, he was sort of talking about how, how you build and how you can test these guys, you know, resiliency and, 
and that kind of thing. And I think it really speaks to where they are as a program just one year later, not even a full year later since that Stanford debacle, the fact that they're able to overcome these things, go on the road and and do what they were able to do on Saturday. No doubt about it. I mean, the, I love the fact that this team hit a wall of adversity and they busted right through it. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know if teams in the past and the recent history would have done that. And that includes last year, to be honest with you, because they hit adversity early on in the season with Marshall and later on in the season against Stanford and, and, and against Cal and, and some things like that. They, they hit those walls and they didn't do a great job of getting over them. This year's team is different. This year's team hit some adversity. I mean, they were held to three points in the entire first quarter. They looked bad. There was three and outs. There was punts. There was, I mean, they had more, they had twice as many punts in the first quarter as they had the entire season leading up to the game. So there was a huge wall of adversity in front of them. They blew right through it, you know, and, and it started out with that 80 yard run, obviously by Estime. But then they continued to do so. The offense continued to click. The the offensive coordinator continued to, you know, make plays and and call the right plays and set plays up and do all of these different things. It's a different team, Sean. This is a different group. I agree. And, you know, again, like you can talk about Marcus Freeman's resiliency as well because it's one thing for a coach, and we've talked about this before, the way Marcus Freeman has been introspective in his, I guess, gosh, it's almost like a year and a half now that he's actually been the head coach when you include the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. But like the way he, it, it's one thing to say last year when you lose to Marshall and you lose to Stanford, okay, we're going to change the messaging. Or, okay, I'm going to look at the way I'm doing this and I'm going to change this away about the way I'm doing it. It's one thing to say you're going to do it, and it's you know still another thing to do it. But it's yet another thing for those thing for those changes to actually matter. Like you can yeah. change things all you want, but they don't always work. And now look at where they are, just a little bit more. You know, again, not quite a year from that Stanford loss, and all these different little things he's been been willing to do and put these changes into into motion and have them actually come to fruition to mean something in the long run. Absolutely. You know, I know it sounds very simple, but Marcus Freeman has learned from his mistakes. He he has learned with his, you know, because we, we talked about, you know, he's going to be learning while he's a head coach, right? Mm -hmm. He's a first time head coach is learning on the job and all that. He's actually learning. Like he's not just making the mistakes. Learning actually, and doing. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. He's putting plans into action based on past experiences, both positive and negative. And he's growing from those different things. And look, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I mean, this is the Marcus Freeman that we've seen since the minute he stepped on campus at Notre Dame after that opening game against Florida State where he had the wrong defensive call and they had that big touchdown, you know, the very next day he's in the meeting room with the defense. He's like, that one's on me. And it never happened again. And he goes, it won't happen again. And it didn't. He learns from his mistakes and he's doing that as a head coach. And you can see it. it it's, it's permeates the entire program, top to bottom coaches, leadership, regular part of the team. Okay. So two part thing here from Tommy that he's got one, how much of the slow start do you put on all of the variables, weather, start time, et cetera. And then he 
followed up. Do you think Hartman had a version of PTSD from prior games against NC State of sorts that he had to get over to settle in? And I'll just I'll, I'll answer that second part first. I don't think it was necessarily PTSD. I will say, you know, while we gave credit to NC State's defense and Jesse put up his whiteboards on how to go about attacking it and stuff like that, I'll just say that that when you look at, at Sam Hartman's past against NC State, that's one thing that maybe we discounted a little bit. I don't think it all had to do with, well, it's Wake Forest and he didn't have a running game, he didn't have an offensive line, some of those things. Then it's that defense was a good defense and a defense that I think can cause a quarterback, you know, like it's not as easy to diagnose maybe as, as we gave it credit for going in. And I think that that, that that's played a part in, in where Sam Hartman was with the six interceptions going into that game. And again, he didn't have any interceptions, didn't make any horrible throws or anything like that. There were times he held on to the ball a little bit long, and I think that part of that had to do with what he was seeing and or not seeing from that NC State defense, the way they're able to disguise some things. Well, I think one of the big problems early on in the game was, you know, he had to rush a lot of his throws and a lot of his reads because the offensive line played like garbage to start yeah. off the game. I mean, they did. Uh, NC State threw the kitchen sink at Notre Dame. Period. End of discussion. Like, they were bringing – pressures from all over the place they're bringing more than Notre Dame could block and when they didn't bring more than they could block Notre Dame just wasn't blocking guys and so Sam Hartman had to rush and so Sam Hartman had to move around a little bit more than he's accustomed to behind this Notre Dame offensive line and after they came back from the weather delay I think you know the offensive line still made mistakes don't get me wrong but they played harder they played a little bit more aggressive you know things like that they were they were making aggressive mistakes which is a lot better than what was going on before the weather delay. So, you know, I think Sam Hartman rushed a few things, but I think he was forced to rush a few things as well. So I think it's a, a combination of the two. But once he settled in and once the game plan continued to evolve, I think things got a lot better because, yes, he was running into a heavy box, and those play calls annoyed the crap out of me early on in the game. But then it was very clear later on in the game that he was having the same formation and he was running things off of what he was doing earlier. Right. And that, and it worked to it like a charm. So it's like well, li watching it live. It's like, man, what are we doing? And then watching it back, it's like, Oh, well this set up this later on. And so it actually made a lot of sense. So. Yeah. And again, you know, look, we talked about how Jesse, especially about how he thought that Notre Dame running the ball specifically could go up against that. Because even though you have only a three man front, you don't have a massive nose guard. You do have all those stand up linebackers. They showed that they could clog those run lanes if you tried to run it, you know, right up the middle between between the guards, basically a gaps and somewhat B gaps, I guess. And when they went outside, which is which is what Jess kind of thought the key to success was going to be, that's when they had more success, when they were getting it outside the tackles. They still didn't do a whole lot of that, but in the end, Notre Dame had Audric Estime. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I mean, and, now and they had stays and, now, you know. Well, I'm talking about the run game specifically, oh, okay. but, but Jadarian Price, I mean, he came in and gave them 
some quality. Oh, when they he was a as well shoelace tackle away from busting a long yeah. one at one point. I mean, he, they they've got so much talent there, and and I mean, how about the drive of of uh, Jeremiah Love and how he runs the ball? I mean, that's your one two three punch right there. And and yep. it's by the way, awesome Reggie Brooks, Notre Dame great, great himself played with some other greats in his time. You know split some carries with some other great running backs like Jerome Bettis and Rodney Culver and, you know, Lee Becton and some others. Reggie is going to be with me at the start of tomorrow's show. So I look forward. I always love talking about running backs with Reggie Brooks because he holds that standard pretty high and he doesn't usually mince a whole lot of words when he starts talking about those guys. So he'll tell you what he thinks about the running backs. He'll tell you what he thinks about those offensive linemen and the way they're blocking up front. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Reggie tomorrow. He's going to be on the show. So, Yep. Love it. Love it. Getting them good guests. Yes. That's right. I'm going to save some of these receivers questions because we have in rapid fire some specific receiver stuff that we're going to get into. Um, So we'll save a little bit of that for when we talk about that. I am curious, Vince, what you thought. They're up, what was it, 35 to 17 was that the score when yep. or was it 38 to 7 35 to 17 35. kill shot holden stays a little play action downfield and they get another touchdown late in the game what did you think about going for that kill shot the way they did freaking loved it loved it it was like it's about stinking time because in the past it would have been all right 13 personnel run it between the tackles let's run out the clock we don't want to embarrass anybody you know, we don't want to do anything to make, make people mad at me. No, you go and you put your foot on their throat and you step down. And that's exactly what they did. And I loved it. It's fantastic. I did too. And what did we see from Brian Kelly when he got in those situations? Well, let's downshift and I'm going to be the uh, nice guy. I'm not going to run up the score. And then... You know, we had to hear, remember the halftime speech, you know, where we, I'm tired of being the nice guy. Well, quit being the nice guy. Yeah. You know, if if you, if, if that's how you actually think of yourself as the nice guy, quit yeah, being seriously. the nice guy. Go for the kill. Like, leave no doubt on the field. Like, th- there really wasn't that much to it. And I love, there you go, Chi-Town. I just completely agree. We took the words out of each other's mouths. Leave no <laughs> doubt. And that's exactly what it comes down to. I love this shift in mentality from from Marcus Freeman, Jared Parker, whoever it is, that that you're just you're going to keep doing your thing. You're going to keep running your offense, and you're not you're not going to let it be as yep. as close as it needs to be. You're not gonna you're not gonna ring out those wins at the end. I love I love the mentality. Yep, I do too. I absolutely love it, and I I love the fact you know I, I go back to the pregame speech by. Marcus Freeman that he gave the guys before uh, Tennessee State. It's like, you show respect to these guys by playing your butts off, by playing as hard as you can the entire game. That's how you show respect to your opponent. Yes. Why is that a novel concept in South Bend when you're playing football? I, I don't understand it, okay? Finally, there's a head coach at Notre Dame that understands that, and I am ecstatic about it down with it down with it yep all the way all the way all right so 
end of half. We get another Sam Hartman, end of half, <laughs> less than a minute, <laughs> less than a minute, two-minute drive. And here's Freeman on his use of timeouts at the end of halves. I've been aggressive when the off the other team has had the ball and calling timeouts because I believe if we have a chance to get the ball in our offensive hands with no matter how much time, probably if it's more than 30 seconds, I'm going to call timeout so we can get the ball in our offensive hands and let them get a chance to um, run a two-minute operation. And so I was pleased with the way they did that. Um, so, Vince, the last two games, and, and you can go back to the end of the Navy game or the end of the first half as well, end of the first half, Last two games, Tennessee State last week, NC State this week. Nine plays, eight completions, 142 total yards, two touchdown passes by Sam Hartman. And those two touchdown drives covering 142 yards have taken place in a grand total of one minute and eight seconds. So what do you think? Were you happy with Marcus Freeman's usage of the timeouts at the end of the first half this time? Well, I I want to I want to steal something that uh, Sean Davis was talking about in the post game show. I believe it was Sean Davis. He said he said, "Look, he goes, we have seen the evolution of Marcus Freeman before our very eyes." He said, "He's out there calling timeouts to save time on the clock for his offense while arguing with the referees about, about Riley the, Mills. About Riley Mills and the and the yeah. hands to the face thing. I mean, he's pulling double duty. He's got you talk about millions. presence of mind. Yes. Because there are a lot of people once you start like once that blood starts going to your brain and you get yep. into that kind of argument where you know you're trying to plead your case for your guy, it's like you forget about everything else that's going on around you. Exactly. And here he is. And by the way, I like I love how Fred was that was that when Fred Hale, the 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 you know the interim strength guy is like come on coach let's let's get yeah. back off the field he's kind of like trying to shoo him off and by the way Jesse was like is that Matthias Farley that guy looks like <laughs> no that's he does. he does coach. a little bit he does look a little bit like Matthias but yeah like so like all this craziness is going on and he still has the presence of mind to use the timeouts the proper way get his team the ball back and then boom the next thing you know here's another less than one minute drive downfield for a touchdown three Look, plays we, we learned or i guess it was reiterated number one marcus freeman has a lot of faith in the offense in the two minute operation as he called it right we, we that got reiterated to us because of last game and this game number two he's got tremendous confidence in the kicking game for special teams tremendous confidence right so we're learning things about who Marcus Freeman is and what kind of weapons he wants to use. And if he has any opportunity to give the ball to Sam Hartman and Jared Parker the last couple of minutes of a half or the game, he's going to take it. I want to be fair, you know, again, because we, we, we beat up on Brian Kelly when it's time to beat up on Brian Kelly. And I mean, let's sure. be honest. Any time is a good time to beat up on Brian Kelly at this point, yep. right? So, like, yep. like we, we we don't hold back when it's time to beat up on Brian Kelly. But, like, Josh says, use of his timeouts was something we never saw under Kelly. If Brian Kelly had Sam Hartman as the quarterback, do you think he's doing the – you know, like, Brian Kelly never had Hartman as the quarterback. That's basically. fair. He never had – you know, like, you can still knock Brian Kelly because, again, we've, we've knocked his quarterback recruiting. He – it's 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 on him that he never had that kind of quarterback, but at the same time, he never had that guy. So, like, do you think if he had Sam Hartman 
he's he's using the same strategy, I guess. Like, can we give him? Can we give him? You know, just just a little bit there. What do you think? I, I would hope so. I, I would hope so. That's the best thing I can say. Um, I think, you know, Brian Kelly does have a ton of experience. I don't remember, and I and I could be misremembering, right? But I don't remember him just butchering, like end of game opportunities as far as like clock management and stuff like that. I don't remember that being one of his major issues, to be honest. Uh, And so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he would have done that with a quarterback like Sam Hartman. Yeah. Joe, try to be, wait, wait, wait. Hartman lives in the aisle that BK said he didn't shop. (laughs) I I mean, technically he doesn't because Hartman was a three-star quarterback coming. I was going to say, I mean, that's exactly Arnold the kind was a of quarterback who's playing like a six star. Yeah, right he's exactly the kind of quarterback that Brian Kelly would try to recruit. By the way, yeah, but the the difference is he wouldn't have been developed into the quarterback that he is today. Yeah, exactly. The difference is he'd have one good year, and then the next two years he would never live up to that standard, right. and then he would have right. transferred someplace else, most likely to finish off his career. That's the correct. difference, I think. That's a great Co- point. Correct. defense i mean great great defense all the way around great defensive game plan they didn't you know get home a lot on uh brennan armstrong and for the season now they have four sacks through three games but they also have five interceptions so here's marcus freeman talking about lack of sacks but you also have created a lot of turnovers and you have good pass efficiency defense. So is that worth the trade-off if you're not getting home on the quarterback? If it generates interceptions and, and great pass efficiency defense, I'm great with it. You know, we kind of calculate he was getting the ball out of his hands around four seconds, you know, which isn't a lot of time um, to get a sack. I know we hit him, I think, double digits, right? We, we got some QB hurries, but... I know everybody looks, and even Coach Wash, I have to talk to Coach Wash, like, don't get frustrated with the numbers. You know, we can sometimes be outcome-driven. What is the number of sacks? Like, let's look at how many times we hit it. We hit the quarterback, we affected him with our coverages, and really look at the interceptions that are a result of the pressure you got on him. We were very strategic in how we wanted to rush this quarterback. We could not be out of control and just free rush this guy. We wanted to create games, pass rush games, that forced him to do certain things. And so... Um, I'm really pleased with, with the execution and the outcome of what happened. I know the sacks, the numbers weren't what we all aspire to have, but um, the outcome in terms of the interceptions, in terms of the pass efficiency, was, was exactly what we needed. I mean, personally, Vince, this game specifically, I'm not like that upset about the lack of sacks, especially when you get three interceptions and you set your, your offense up in plus territory. But now – Again, one one game is Navy, which ironically Josh Burnham got his first career sack right. against of all teams Navy. But at the same time, you are not you've got some pressures on the quarterback, but you're not getting home. So what do you think? Are 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 you good with where they are as long as you're getting pressures and you're forcing turnovers? Well, I think at the end of the day, you still want them to get home on some of those. I, I think you would love to get, you know, any quarterback and and especially a mobile one on the ground. I mean, I that's what I would want. And it, it was, it was difficult to nitpick how the defense played obviously on Saturday. There's no doubt about that. And oh, Matt, 
but they did make him uncomfortable. They did have him throwing off platform. They did have him escaping the pocket, not when he wanted to, right? I mean, so they did put a lot of pressure on him, which did generate three interceptions. And it generated him throwing 43% completion percentage. Now, some of those were drops. I get that. But anytime you can hold a quarterback to sub 50% and those three picks, that's a pretty stinking good day. And I, I kind of broke this down yesterday. He had like 260 yards passing, but 87 of those yards came in the fourth quarter. And this yeah. game was over. Like this the yards, very irrelevant. Yeah, I, I right. mean, especially, especially when you look at, you know, again, when you look at the actual pass efficiency, though, he was right. He was 22 of 47 to get those 260 yards, and he threw exactly. three interceptions, you know. Right. And, so, and more importantly, he ran for what I believe was 26 yards. And right. that's, you know, that was the big thing coming into this. It's like, okay, you've Not got, you know, he's a, get he's a dual there. thread and all this other stuff. He's 12 attempts for 26 yards. Now, he was sacked one time for seven yards. Okay. So 11 attempts for 33 yards. That's three yards a carry. He didn't hurt you. He did not hurt you with his legs. Yeah. yeah. And Anthony brings up a good point. They did, Notre Dame did have a pretty good amount right. of reserves in late in the game as well when he hit exactly. some of those. So, I mean, they, they did a great job against him. A great job. Because we, all, so knew, too. we all knew what their offense was. It was Brennan Armstrong and 10 guys. And right. they shut down Brennan Armstrong, period. We compared it a little bit to Caleb Williams last year in the USC game, and we were talking on the Countdown to Kickoff show. We had the over-unders for the game. Armstrong's over-under rushing total on the you know, the Vegas sports books was 35 and a half yards. Caleb Williams had exactly 35 rushing yards against Notre Dame last year in that game. Now, what felt like more, why? because of his ability to extend plays, getting, you know, ejecting from the pocket, rolling out, doing whatever to avoid pressure. So it wasn't that Caleb Williams necessarily ran for a bunch of yards, but his, his elusiveness is what made the difference in that game. That's something that Brennan Armstrong was not, even though he wasn't right. running for a lot of yards, he was not extending plays with his legs and he was throwing a lot of incomplete passes. Now as, Right. His receivers let him down a couple of times as well. No doubt. But even so, I mean, it not was... the difference in the game. I mean, no. it just it just wasn't like there were a couple of times where he was on target and the guys just dropped it. Period. Uh, but again, he still had to throw the ball forty-seven times. Yeah, I think it was five point five yards per attempt. That's awful. Like those are awful numbers, and I've and. We were talking about it, and upon further review last night, that would have ranked – like if that was their season average, 5.5 yards, that would have ranked them 127th in NCAA. Well, Those are terrible numbers. Armstrong had a passer rating of 94.6 in the game. Sam Hartman's passer rating, 217.6. I mean – There you go. Talk about difference in the game. <laughs> Two sixth-year guys, by the way, played in that game. Right. Okay, we're going to come back to some more specific game stuff. I want to get to some of the injury updates Marcus Freeman gave in case maybe some people missed those. J.D. Bertrand, who left the game Saturday uh, in concussion protocol to start the week. Marcus Freeman says he'll be doing non-contact stuff tomorrow. He's doing much better, kind of wait and see 
right now. Vince, how would you approach Bertrand this week with concussion protocol, considering you've got Ohio State next week? Um, that he can throw on a red jersey and send in signals. Like, there is <laughs> no reason for him to take the field against Central Michigan. None. I mean, the only thing that would benefit him is he'd be able to rack up a bunch of tackles in the first half while he still plays. I mean, look, call me cocky, NC State fans. <laughs> That's fine. J.D. Bertrand shouldn't be playing more than a half of football on Saturday. And you're not – I'm sorry, you don't need to put him in the game for a half of football. You need J.D. Bertrand two Saturdays from now on, or on uh, September 23rd. That's where you need J.D. Bertrand. If he doesn't play, I don't have a whole lot of faith that Notre Dame could win that game. And so you don't need him to win the game against Central Michigan. I agree. You slide Jack Kaiser right on in. That's what be, I'm they, won't, they won't miss a beat against Central Michigan. He Jack needs Kaiser. to be healthy. Yeah, he needs to be healthy yep. for, the, for two weeks from now. Hopefully by the second half, you know, a big, bigger dose of Drake Bowen or something right. like that, you know. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Devin Ford, on the other hand, finishing his concussion protocol, he is expected to be back this week. So that's good news after missing last week. Curious as to see what his role will be. It's kind of a mm -hmm. Wally Pip situation on the kick return, I, I think. And uh, I think so, too. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, think, I think Jeremiah Love picked up a lot of his carries in this last game and look pretty good. So let's see how, it, let's see how it plays out. I mean, Jeremiah love has really, there's only the one play I can think of that he hasn't looked good so far. That was when he right. missed the blitz pickup against Navy. Other than that, very impressive. Pretty much yeah. every time you see him, see the field, Gabe Rubio still out this week. No, nothing real definitive on when he'll be back, but it won't be this week. Eli Raritan in the meantime, another tight end. And of course he tore his ACL last October and he was practicing during training camp to different degrees, but second torn ACL last October, he continues to kind of inch his way back. Here's what Freeman said about Raritan today. Still progressing. Uh, he probably, I doubt it. He'll be back this week. Um, not a hundred percent sure, but I doubt it. He'll be back. He is. It, it, it's progression, and and you know when you come off your second ACL, right? It, it can be physical and mental, and that is something that until he physically feels a hundred percent and mentally feels like he's ready to go, you can't push that guy to get on the field. And so we're working with him to physically make sure that he's feeling like he's a hundred percent, and then mentally you feel capable that you won't go out and re-injure yourself. So what do you think, Eli Raritan? You, you, like when, when you hear that, do you think we see him even next week or you think it's going to be even farther down the line, Vince? If they're not confident bringing him back for Central Michigan, then I would wait until after Ohio State. Ohio State's not the game where you want to debut him, in my personal opinion. I think you, I think you wait at that, if he's not, like I said, if he's not ready this week, I want to at least get his feet wet before you throw him in on a night game against Ohio State where the blood pressure's flowing, the nerves are, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that is not where I want him to test out his twice-repaired ACL, okay? And so I would wait 
personally, I don't think he's the difference maker in this game. He's a great player, but I don't think he's a difference maker. Like, man, if we don't get him back, Notre Dame has no chance of winning. Like, I don't see it being that case. Now, if you wait until he's absolutely 100% healthy, maybe he's a bit of a difference maker against Clemson. Maybe he's a bit of a difference maker against USC. I don't know that a not 100% Eli Raritan is a difference maker against Ohio State. Yeah, concur, concur. Shytown asking about Devin Ford. We mentioned him a second ago. He is looking like he's going to play this week. So we shall see. And again, that is a very competitive running back room. So what that role, he wasn't getting a ton of carries anyway. Kickoff return was right. his biggest contribution. So we'll see. If uh, if that's where he kind of still ends up, if he is going to be back this week, yep. hopefully we'll have the. Uh, I guess we probably won't get a depth. You know, we won't. We we got a depth chart today. There are no changes from last week, but no surprise. We'll get, 